0: This Talking Flutes podcast is kindly sponsored by Trevor James Flutes, making life sound beautiful. You can show them some flute love by following them on Instagram at tjflutes, Trevor James Flutes on Facebook, and at trevorjamesflutes.com. Hello everybody, and welcome this week to Talking Flutes Extra. With me Ooh. Jean-Paul right? yes, you can hear a woo in the corner. We'll speak to him in a minute. <laughs> Thank you so much for all your comments and feedback on previous podcasts. Please keep them coming in to flutepodcasts at gmail.com. Right, yes, you probably gathered it. We have a chap in the room, a chap in the house. We have a chap on Zoom. This week, I'd like to welcome to the official Talking Flutes Extra podcast... Professor and Latin, it's just really weird because I've never known him as a professor until now. A good bro, <laughs> bra brew of mine, I've known him for everyone, every, he's, he's part of my family. He's professor and Latin Grammy Award nominated artist, he's a producer, audio engineer, composer, arranger... This sounds really weird, but he's got it. Dr. Giovanni Perez. Yay! It
1: sounds weird when you say it. It's like, no, Gio is just fine. (laughs) Yeah,
0: doctor. Do you know, for many years, you and I used to call Jose the doctor. Yes. And now it's doctor, doctor, because you're a doctor as well. And, you know, I I know you you, you got this last year, but or two years ago. Do you know, I've lost time because of COVID. When did you actually... Get your doctorate.
1: Um, last year, actually, 2020 December.
0: Oh, well, bravo. Bravo? Bravo? Bravo. I knew it was really hard work. And, uh, you know, you, you thoroughly deserved it. And now, instead of just being a, a hard-up musician, teacher, and arranger, you're now a professor. or assistant professor yes. of global music and flute at Liberty University. Now... Global music, I know that's a love of yours, isn't it? Not just classical yes. music. We a lot of people know yes. you for classical. Lots of people know you for Latin. A lot of people know you for contemporary music. So, what is global music?
1: A global music is a unification of, of all this uh, music that you have described: um, the improv, the contemporary, the Latin, the the Middle Eastern, just music in, in general, um, like the type of music that we hear in YouTube or in Spotify with this new artist, where it's, it's like, wait, is that pop? But then it has, like, this, this Middle Eastern scale, and or it has like this reggaeton under it, but they're singing in English and a uh, reggaeton in Spanish. You know, it's like, what? Okay, so, so yeah, exactly that. It's, a, it's everything.
0: It's anything yeah. that has... A musical pattern, or if we're talking about contemporary music, I know this is arguable, there's no musical pattern there, but, you know, there is creativity. So anything that is creating audible sounds that we can create, that we can recognise as music.
1: Yes, it is, it's almost like, like blurring uh, the genres of music and just doing music with whatever rhythm, whatever instrument you want, it, it, and just is. Stop stop stopping the the segregation of this is bossa and this is samba and this is classical and just just do music, just just do it and see what comes out of it.
0: So, well, before we go into that, if if I was to ask you what sort of music is in your veins, wow, being a Um, being, being of Latin heritage, is it? What is it? It's not the bossa nova, is it? What is it?
1: No, no, it is. I'm more of a romantic. and You know that, right? <laughs> yes, you are. Yes, you are. Uh, and I tend to go to like ballads, but Latin ballads that we call boleros, and it's more of this romantic mm. with orchestras and and you know like sad romantic lyrics that's that's just me that's more salsa more latino more straight caribbean music i want to say
0: and in your in your sort of compositions and your arrangements your your love for the romantic side of you sort of comes out because you're very much like that big score don't you
1: yes yes um actually uh, i will be performing with my students i may. i i'm, a, I'm um, showing them the rhythms from home, from from the Caribbean, and we'll be performing some of that, playing some of that like folk music from from the Caribbean. And that, and, and I guess I can't deny that that's the first thing that that comes out of me uh, when when you you know ask me what is my favorite or what it me as a musician. Well, we've spoken
0: about this a for many many times. Is how difficult I find it feeling that type of music, <laughs> I'm, yeah. very mu- I'm very much in a square. I'm L7, which is square. You know, I, I really find it hard. I mean, if you get me to try and play jazz, I mean, it's literally da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. da, 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 da. Uh, you have always said it's about the feel. It's about what's going, on with your, what's going on with your body and actually understanding the flow and understanding the space. But if you have a student and you're trying to get them to feel... Okay, when you you'd never get me to play Latin music as you would play it. I mean, mm-hmm. that would be impossible because I'm not I'm not Latino. But mm. how would you get a student to actually let themselves go, to have the freedom to be able to begin to explore?
1: Well, I think um, there's this topic that we have uh talked about a lot and it's uh the f word and it's about having fun first right yeah. and and when i uh, there's a student as well that she's preparing her her senior recital for next uh year and i told her you should play sonata latino <laughs> uh by, by mike moore yeah. and the first movement is is pure salsa right and i said okay so this thing that you're playing bum bum This is clave, right? And everything revolves in the the dance like that. Now, luckily, she dances, but she can't do salsa. I was like, okay, so just focus on the one, and, right? And it doesn't matter what you do. You can stretch whatever, jump around, but then land, in the one. And, And just like when they start feeling the one, and they didn't have to think about it. So, Okay, so then th- now let's add this three and this two and whatever. And sooner than you know it, they're already dancing a little bit. It doesn't look like a Latin dancing, and th- and that's cool because that does we love the diversity of, of of people enjoying in their own way what what Latin music is in this aspect, right? Uh, but it's, it's still it's, it's it's true to what it to what it is. So um, if that's that's the way I teach it.
0: And you make a very fair point it's really hard to be sad when you're listening to upbeat Latin music. It does something to you, it does something inside it does something it's yeah. really hard to keep those feet from tapping and it's yeah and it's really hard to okay i can't dance, but it's really hard not to want to sort of move
1: yes exactly um and you know and i I learned to embrace uh those different um before, you know, it's like, well, this people, this person doesn't know how to dance or I don't know if that even looks good. But then I noticed, it's like, they just want to have fun. And it's embrace, I respect that diversity of, of what they call fun with what with, with I call fun and just have fun together. And, and yeah. yeah.
0: But isn't that your mantra for music as a whole, though? Whether it's classical, whether it's contemporary, it's to have fun, that F word, have fun. How do you contextualize it? so that if somebody is doing a classical piece, they are still able to have fun within the narrative that that piece is wanting the musician to explore. That's
1: been a recurring conversation, uh, John Paul, and um, it's, it's hard because at the beginning, all the students, everybody, the day they decide to study music, they decide to study it because they have fun with it, and it's, it's just so fulfilling to play the music that, that you have fun with, but then in academia, you start, like, you have to play this, and you have to play this, so it start imposing, and then it, the fun part goes out, and it's just work. And and, and when we're in our lessons, it's like, okay, how can we make this fun? What is this piece about? It's like, okay, is this a dance, like like the Alamande from uh, Partita from Bach, or, 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 or this is more like a march, you know, more like walking or whatever, so we try to 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 get like an image right Uh, to add like this movie to the to the music just so they can just focus in that movie and not focus on the work that they have to do so okay so let's make this animation fun right and then say okay so this is what you're representing in this music and and, you know say okay i didn't see it like that yes i can see it and it's more fun that way and then the practice is, is less uh, tedious because there's there's an objective far more than just learning the notes and it's just putting an a image or a movie or, yes, a, a story to that piece. And that's certainly going to help when it comes to performing
0: it, isn't it? Because they're not then stood up on stage or in an exam. With lots of dots, they are actually got this image that you've created with them. Now, is it, yes. is it color or is it black and white? Do you get them to think of other sounds? How how does it work?
1: Well, um, colors, that isn't me. Um, I Again, I'm, I'm more of just as of a story person. It's like, so this piece has been played a billion times all around the world <laughs> through history. What makes you different? Like, how are you going to tell it? Um, and you're just like, like it's like spoken word, and it's like poetry. You give life to those same sentences, and it's the way that you say it. And, of course, there's also this contradiction in academia. It's like, no you should play like this and vibrato should be four times you know and it's like you know just make it so warm because why would you want to say something the exact same way all the time It's that like, it doesn't make sense uh so just i mean but that's me maybe i'm i'm wrong and i'll be a heretic for this uh but i want my students to have fun while they're doing it and i think they're they're enjoying it and i am enjoying it because i'm learning of how to make this fun right i'm not going to embarrass you here but
0: I think it was <laughs> maybe it it may have been in Disneyland in Anaheim, LA, a few years ago. And you and I had had a few drinks, and uh-huh. you were saying that if you to play, if you and I were to play the piece, a piece of music, and we were to play the same note, with each note being exactly the same duration, with the same space in between, the art of real music is that I would play it very differently to you in sound even though each note would be exactly the same the interpretation and the gift of that music would be very different yes. it, it took me a long time to understand what you mean but i get it now in that everybody's performance is valid and you as yes. you've just said then you've got to create your own validity for that Yes. and just because as you say we we learn we have to play it each semiquaver or quaver exactly like this and we have to i mean i only learnt how, I only learnt learnt how I only learnt uh, 2 <laughs> years ago that syrinx was initially written without bar lines <laughs> and we've um, yes. uh, yeah and we we've come to put bar lines in and you know that has changed the way it was initially written so you're exactly right you know having a few beers and it it works is that every <laughs> note even if we all played that note the same duration would have a different narrative to it.
1: Yes. And, and the cool thing is, like, people, I think that people will be willing to hear the exact same story, they say the exact same sentence told by you or told by me or told by Jose or by anyone if it sounds different. Because if it's the exact same thing, like, oh, yeah, I already saw that, I already heard that, you know. But it's if, if you had a little different accent or, or just, like, like, exaggerate this dynamics here, you know, in, in the story that you're telling. It's like, oh, okay. Oh, he did that here. Interesting, comparing to that. So the that experience, um, it, it, I think, is was more profound and transcendental than, than just playing it right. Playing it right. <laughs> and
0: at the end of the day, it's only a, pre- a preference that each and every one of us will have to a performance anyway, isn't it? No, there is no right or no wrong because it's just the, an opinion from somebody listening, or an audience listening.
1: Um, exactly that.
0: And in your situation, you've only got to, your students have only got to please you.
1: That is it's hard, uh, John Paul. Um, this is a big responsibility, than one that one of, of being a professor, um, because you want them to succeed, and you want them to have fun, and and it's like, how do you balance both? Yeah, absolutely. Because I, I have students where they come crying, it's like, this is not fun anymore, and this is my first semester, and they've been carrying other, you know, judgments from before, it's like, how do I, like, convince them, like, like, this, like, what you learned was wrong, and it shouldn't be that way, and so it's like that, and it's like, like, I said, remember, like, when you found me and and you told me, it's like, you still don't believe, how good you are yeah. you're the first the first person that believed in me more than when i did and it and it reminds me of myself being in that spot it's like wow so i have to channel my inner john paul and, <laughs> and just and just say hey uh, you you are you you are destined to shine so it's it's, it's hard uh but um but I'm, i've been working on it i and and
0: ultimately you, you have to have the good you have to have good roots in place you have to have you have to do the studies. You have to do the stuff that most musicians would find tedious. But I had a dialogue with the great Paul Edmund Davis not so long ago. And mm-hmm. Paul was saying that there's nothing tedious about anything to do with flute playing. We make it tedious. Yes. Exactly. And, we, and we choose it to be boring. You know, if we are doing long notes practice or we're doing scale practice, it's not boring. We just choose it to be boring. Exactly, And, and if you've got to play 4A Fantasy and you say, oh, it's so boring, that piece. No, you've made it boring.
1: Yes. You know, um, my variation of, of Moise uh, de la Sonorité is that every um, beginning of a lesson, the first five to ten minutes, I sit on the piano and I pick a key. OK, so we, we agreed on, on a song that they know that they can sing. It's like, OK, so can you sing this song? OK, so let's see. This is G major, right? Let's figure it out. So the first two notes are the fifth and the tonic uh, of that song uh, of the scale, right? So it's, it's, if you're in G it's going to be D and G, right? And you're just going to play this song slow and we're going to move with the chords and you're going to sing it. There's no no music involved, right? They had to do it by ear. So then I start saying now the B and that is the third of this key has to be flat to be in tune with the key that we're on. So uh, we start doing long notes and tuning and singing and playing by ear, improvising, all at the same time. They don't know they're doing all that because what they're focusing is, well, I don't have written music. I need, I need to focus on the lyrics. And and they, and they now, at the beginning, they couldn't do just one key. And now they can do all 12 keys. And I'm, I'm teaching my students to look more than just what is in front of you in the paper. To look more, you know, to just follow your ear and, and just, you know, to... It's almost like an introduction to improvisation. So then when you go back to classical music, to Baroque music, and then you have to put your own ornamentations, your ear will tell you, you'll be more familiar to that. So yeah, that's, that's my sonorita for the first 10 minutes.
0: And the importance of the ear. It's, it can't be understated. And some teachers spend a lot of time, lots, a lot of professors playing the, a lot of time on the ear because you can have a good technique... You can have an okay sound and the sound is so personal to each and every one of us. Mm-hmm. But the ability to have that ear, that good ear, and that will define you whether you get a place in an orchestra or not because your ear mm-hmm. is not in sync with the other players. But also if your ear is not good enough or accurate enough that you don't notice when you're flat or sharp, that's going to affect your, your performance to an audience. So yes. that ear is so crucial not only the flapping of the flingers, but the ear. Flapping.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I miss your words. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> flapping. Yes, um, it, it's so interesting. Uh, um, I've been inspired uh, watching um, masterclasses by Dennis Burkoff that he talks about this, about playing tune. And you, you can be in tune with the metronome. I mean, with the, with the metronome as well, with the tuner. Uh, right? But. but you can be out of tune within your instrument, mm. and, and that's hard to teach. And then when you, it's it's so satisfying when the, when you see the students like they click like oh I can hear it it's like yes I done my job if if they if I get that oh I hear it now I did my job and that makes me happy.
0: And that's hard to as you say it's hard to teach because. You'll get the A in, and I, I, I will never understand. I know it could be oboe, isn't it? But I just never understand why it has to be an A, because you start it on an A, then you know the C is a horrible note, C sharp's is a horrible note in any octave. Yeah, um, yes. But yeah, the, having that ear, having that critical ear, and actually just that fine, that, that it's it's very much a very fine point, isn't it? It is sort of a micro change that you would make.
1: Yes, it's 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 almost like. The way I've seen it is like if you were teaching something to a little kid, right, that you exaggerate it a lot so they can tell the difference. It's like, so this is what it sounds to be sharp within your instrument, right? And now this is what it sounds to be flat. and And then when they say, so look what happens when I go and find the middle ground. And you see how then suddenly everything like settles, and it's like okay, and then do it, and then when you do it, it's like oh, okay, I see, I understand. Of course, it's something for some is is happens in the first lesson, and for others it, it takes a little a little bit more. But um, that that's something that is not discussed a lot, and I've been learning how to be more efficient in, in saying that to the students. Yeah, I mean the the worst case scenario would be you'd
0: get five students to play top F on the piccolo and say, right, play that in tune <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yes. Wow, yeah, that'll be that'll be bad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you'd get into trouble for damaging eardrums, wouldn't you?
1: Hey, you know, and um, what is a really good compliment is watching the kids. I mean they're they're not kids, you know, they're like like you know, they like 10 years younger than me, but I call them kids. Is when we're in flute ensemble and we get to tune with my way of tuning, I don't tune with A, I tune with E. Okay. Uh, and I, I, the reason I ask again, why do you think I'm tuning with E? It's like E is usually wants to be flat on the flute. And if you play your E and it's very comfortable, I promise you, you're going to be sharp. So, <laughs> so. When I play a, play your E, right? To be almost there, and all the time, John Paul, right? All all the time, they're always in tune, perfectly. And then we we play unison, and, it, and it's 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 magic. And it's like, okay, this is, this is interesting. So yeah, just just doing always something different. It, it's so fun to be different <laughs> because like, why why are you tuning with an E instead of an A? Why? So anyways, that's me.
0: Do you know, I've learned that first time, you know, you, you always come out with these, don't you, occasionally? And <laughs> you haven't been drinking. It's really early over there, is isn't it? This is over. Right, let's move on very quickly to improvisation. Now, yes, improvisation is a love of yours. Has it always been so? Have you always been able to improvise? And if you have, how do you unlock that fear in a student?
1: Okay, so yes, I've always been surrounded and done improvisation without knowing it, um, because the the main way I started music was by singing with with my parents in church, and and of course, and um, I mean, I learned when I moved to the U.S. that some Methodist church already sing everything with hypnos and and all that. And everything is written. But in the normal churches, what I've been on, you know, people just sing and just repeat that. And and hopefully they'll stay in the same key. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> right? So so I never knew, like like, music written until I was, like, 15 years old, 14 years old, where I started playing my instrument. And then I started relating to, oh, what I was doing all this time looks like that. Uh, but everything started with freedom at first and once you know how to be free it's easier to then say okay so to stay on track but, but that freedom is always there because you learned that first now i think that when it's the other way around when you start like like this is what it is and you don't know anything else like um outside of, of what you're looking in front of you of all those the blots and and dots like you say um it's it's a little bit more difficult and and that's why I start with my warm-up of, of 10 minutes with the students. It's like, I don't want you to think about anything written. Let's just do this. Repeat this pitch with me. Find it. Sing it. And then go ahead. And it's a matter of just getting to being a baby again. Getting a, like, Forget that you know music. And it's like, let's find this pitch, right? And and now let's go to this key. Find that same one here. And and when when they start repeating little words like that, dada, mama. Okay, let's start doing sentences. Okay, so let's do this scale and this key, and then use the same words uh, in this key. Now do it in this other key, and when you start like arming this little word, then you're having a conversation, and without knowing that you're already improvising. There are different different levels and layers of improvisation, but they're still improvisation. And let's not mistake improvisation with jazz. People think, oh, uh, let's learn improvisation, and they... They are, What they're really saying is like, I want to learn how to play jazz or blues. And that's not improvisation. Uh, jazz is not genre. Improvisation is a concept that is applied in all music. And, and that is mostly what I try to teach. is the concept of improvisation more than the genre itself of jazz. That's about it.
0: Right. We're going to listen to one of your improvs now. Oh, uh, <laughs> Do you know which one it's going to be? You recorded it for me uh, very late at night. You recorded lots of them of the same piece on different instruments.
1: Oh, uh, Besame Mucho.
0: Yeah, Besame Mucho. Now, there's no way, when you hear Giovanni playing this now, there is no way I could ever play it like this. And I've tried, because <laughs> there is something gorgeous and sexy about it, the way he does it. Now, this is improvisation on a theme. And mm-hmm. I will I will play Besame Mucho first on a normal concert flute, and then I will play the same piece as he's played it on an alto flute. And you'll be able to see how he's played with the notes depending on the instrument that he's using. So, Besame Mucho. Is that Spanish enough for you?
1: (laughs) Yes, that's perfect Spanish.
0: (laughs) Or it could be Besame (laughs) Mucho.
1: Besame Mucho, yes, yes. (laughs) Here we go.
0: Do you know, if I could play that, I would woo. I would have wooed in my youth so many ladies. Just get taking the flute out and playing that just like that. Oh, that was just gorgeous, gorgeous gorgeous,
1: <laughs> Yeah, you know, um, I I think about that exact same thing. Uh you know, and if you people see me and I'm, I'm read now, it's like wow. Um I took advantage of that a lot of times. <laughs> so is that is that uh, why
0: flute players always carry their flute around with them
1: um yes I mean I think they should I think it's a must um people don't don't understand the power of 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 being a flute player because they you know they they think exactly that you're gonna be like <laughs> yeah who wants to hear that I mean yes sorry sorry all purists and all people out there yes a lot of people want to hear uh be said right um but if you are contemporary now, you need to be current. with what's happening now? What people consider sexy uh, in the 1900s is not the exact same thing <laughs> as now. So, so you can't try to woo someone like y- using stuff that is 200, 300 years old. Maybe you could, you know. You know, there are people that have different, um, you know, interests. But you have to be current, <laughs> right? Anyways, and and that's where improvisation and flute. Uh, that's its magic. Oops. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I loved it. I loved it. And I'm sure, I'm sure there will be a time where I'll be playing you in the background and pretending to play it myself. <laughs> 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 you know, lip syncing, flute syncing.
1: Right. Right. Yes. Uh, that, that should be interesting. That should be interesting. That We should do that uh, at NFA. That
0: would oh, be, be so funny, wouldn't cool. it? That would be funny that people think I'm playing proper Latino. <laughs>
1: But then I would love to do the exact same thing. You, you record something and uh, I'll, I'll <laughs> lip <lip-sync> sing it. <laughs> that will be hilarious. I'm, I'm down for that. Uh,
0: <laughs> and we're back to that fun thing again, aren't we? And you, you sort of touched on it earlier when you're saying that there is a responsibility being a professor. At yes. a university, you have a responsibility to guide and to shepherd your your flock, your students, You're to build them emotionally and as musicians and to let them free with as big a toolbox as is possible. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, making sure that it's not all work because their mental health and their physical health will suffer if it's constant pressure, pressure, pressure. How do you balance or how are you learning to balance all that?
1: Yes, well, I'm like, that's the perfect word, learning how to balance that. Because um, even my undergrad life wasn't too far ago, considering other professors uh, versus their their undergrad students. Um, But I can still feel and see the pressures of social media um and the kids were at, at my time it was more still May, myspace uh messenger like msn right um and right now with the instagram with tiktok and uh, all this other social media there is is more of, of it just applies such a bigger uh, social pressure to them that it, i feel that it I will be irresponsible if I apply even more pressure just so they can satisfy me and just so they can make me look good. So I need to take me out of the equation and just say, okay, so I asked him, why are you here? And how do you see yourself in the future? And – that, you know, some of them, they just want to be uh, band directors, and that's fine, right? And they're, they're doing their music ed, and okay, so I will not be so hard on them with Mozart, because they're not going to be, be playing Mozart, but I just want everything that they play to make it fun, so then they, hopefully, they'll translate that to their students, and then their students to their students, and so on and so forth. And it's a matter of, of understanding that, that this isn't about me, it's about their journey through music. Um, that That is my responsibility to make it as, as as memorable as possible. And what inspires me is hearing um, testimonies from students, for example, here uh, when people talk about Julius Baker, uh, saying about his sound, his charisma, and, and more than anything, his, his sense of humor. And I think that usually when you hear people talking about the greats, Usually, those same three things happen. So his sound was so inspiring, like his his way of teaching and his humor, and that's what I want people to to remember about me. It's not like man, he was always so grumpy, and you know, and right, grumpy Geo. No, um, so is it's a matter of just making them feel happy and and valued in, in this uh, ever difficult times uh, that they're living in.
0: And just looking at you now, it's. Anyone that has the privilege to know you will know you as being an absolutely lovely, at your root, you're a lovely, lovely man. Quite shy, but you get that flute in your hands and something happens to you. Yes. You do. Yes, you get that flute in your hands and you blossom. Take the flute down and you're a type of guy to take a step, more of a step back, and you observe a lot. You're an observer yes. and you're a watcher. It's it's quite hard i would imagine as a professor to work with someone that is an extrovert someone that really wants to put it out there when you're you can't actually mirror that yourself unless you've got that flute in your hand because you are an extrovert with that flute you you let go you are you know you're you're free to, you're free when you're on that stage
1: yes um it, it it's so funny because a lot of people don't know this, and I think I should talk about it more because, yes, um, we're three brothers, right? And the we all have a type of more introverted um, personality, uh, but my younger brother, he's a DJ. He is. And I, I see myself in him. Whenever he starts DJing, I was like, who are you? It's like like he just just transforms. It's like come on people, it's just be like that. It's like who are you? I like like I, I don't I don't I don't really understand like how, how that transformation happens, and I see that in in my instrument as well, because this was my escape to be more expressive, to just let people know who I am, uh, but through music without words, and and I should experiment in in trying to teach my students in in using that, that this tool, that if they're afraid to say things with words, you know, just say it through music. Um, And for me, it was, I want to say, sadly, it was more natural in a way. So I have to find a way to make it more teachable in that aspect, because yes, I've noticed that, that when I pick my instrument, I'm just, I'm not afraid of anything. It's like, bring it on, you know, and then when I don't have it, it's like, okay, like you said, I'll sit down and enjoy and nobody will notice me. And I'm totally fine with that. I'm I'm okay with with not being the star, with not being the the man in front. But if, if I have to be, you know, and I'll just pick the food and I'll do it. But it's okay if I am not. And that's just me. That's Gio.
0: And it's just interesting for me to see your journey from many years back to sort of flowering into the geo that you are now, which is having a lot more confidence in knowing who you are. You're happily married yes. to a beautiful lady called Angela, a very clever and wonderful bassoon player. You're settled and you're flowering. And as I said to you many years ago, you literally didn't understand how good you are. And do you know there is, no, there is something attractive about somebody that is really good at their, their craft that isn't putting it in your face? And you never did. It's just when you picked the flute up back then, there was this magic that occurred. And I you put one we did a collaboration, um long Hallelujah time. Hallelujah collaboration yeah. years ago. And the first thing I said when you, you sent me your part was that sound. Oh, there was something magic about that sound and you really, bro? Really? really
1: I could not I I I c I couldn't I couldn't believe it. Uh because again, I, I was uh, beginning to understand uh, who I was, and in that identity, that that is another long topic of 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 embracing your identity as a flutist. That again, uh, we dwell with that because academia teaches us to, you know be something that we're not or that we're not meant to be uh but yeah i remember that and, and funny enough i was sharing this video two days ago with my students I was like look at this and i was hearing i was like wow there is something special uh in, in that in the video
0: it was angelic it was a long time ago and you were you weren't even trying to take center stage but whenever i play that it's everybody focuses on Geo. and you've got that embarrassed look at that end when you when you finish and <laughs> you sort of you, you, your shoulders come up and you sort of smile and yeah but yeah embracing your identity that is a really really hard one to talk about because i if i'm really honest i think only in about the last 5 or 6 years and i'm getting on a bit have i really started to understand who i actually am and as a musician If you don't know who you are, it's really quite hard to be free. You can pretend like actors and actresses on the stage. Yes. Or as a narrator of a story, you can pretend. And as a musician, to a degree, you can pretend. But there gets a point where you have to be true to yourself and understand who you are. And that must be quite hard when you see a real gem of a musician and you've just got to allow them to flower as a professor. Yes
1: yes and like i said earlier this is such it, it, hearing you talk i keep thinking this is a bigger bigger responsibility of doing this professorship thing because um not all students are going to be classical soloists not all students are going to be band. some of them are are meant to be artists and they don't know it yet and it's my responsibility to 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 see that and to say just be a flute player you know, just just focus. They could be the next Lizzo, right? If, if they would have told Lisa, no, just play your Mozart. We wouldn't have Lisa, <laughs> right? And, or if she didn't have that personality, because I'm pretty sure she's pretty extroverted. She's like, no, <laughs> this is what I like, right? Uh, right? If we if she didn't have that personality, probably she wouldn't be Lisa today. But for those that don't have that personality, I had to be the facilitator to say, okay, I see this in you that you don't see, like you saw in me. Uh, in, in California and our first time that we met, and, and it's like, you don't see it yet, but I see it, and I will help you get there. That's my, my promise, my responsibility, and if this became the standard of, of music education, I think we would have a, a, a lot of, 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 the, of brilliant musicians and composers and arrangers that they don't know they're that yet, and probably if, if this would, if the system doesn't change, they wouldn't know. They will never know. Uh, but if, if it did shift a little bit to this side, and just focus on music and of developing and discovering who you are as an artist, uh, the outcome will be will be impressive and unmanageable. Like, and that's yeah. the benefit, as I said a
0: long time ago in this podcast, of you being a listener and a watcher, is that you take a step back and you can assess you can look and you can see someone that is struggling with their either their identity or with the piece they're playing if you take a step back you can see a lot more you can see them in the whole in the round rather than critiquing certain notes or certain passages and after a period of time of teaching you get to understand their personality and you'll then get to be or to find the keys to unlock what it is that is going to set them free because as musicians when you're playing within these regimented structures of teaching being let free is actually quite hard because you need to know the basics you need to be sufficient in the basics to be able to let be let free but um, I, was, I was talking to claire southworth the my other co-host on talking flutes um professor at the royal, royal academy and she said she just spent years and years and years practicing not having fun practicing and she said if she could do it all over again, she would do her practice and she would put a flute down and go out. She might play golf. She might go for a walk.
1: You know, yes. she'll do
0: something, but she wouldn't be doing seven or eight hours a day practice.
1: Wow. Yes. And that reminds me of, of something that Emmy Porter uh, mentioned. And um, I didn't hear it from her directly, but I heard it from her students where she was saying, practice no more than two or three hours a day and then live yeah you know just go out um because your your music uh, your experiences are gonna be reflected in your music, and if you don't have any experience to share your music is just gonna be you know playing yeah
0: and uh, a wonderful flute i i i've i've harked on back to this this guy jim james Dow one of my first teachers important teachers in london he one one of my lessons uh was playing them i was playing the middle movement at the eBay and he just sort of stopped and he said uh have you, have you ever been in love? And I went, I was a 17 year old boy. So no, I don't think I have in love. I mean, I like the girls, but I haven't really been in love. And he said, I guarantee you the day that you've been in love, or you're in love, this piece will come alive. And he just said, conversely, when you've had a, when you've, when you've, when your love has been broken, it, it, yeah, I know. But it's, it's all these little bits in your life, happiness, sadness, it all creates this one, this musician that is you. If you're spending all day in the practice room and not listening, not getting emotional to listening to a cellist or listening to a singer, not going to a jazz club and understanding the freedom that jazz players have, not, uh, and not understanding everything outside that practice room then as a musician, you really won't flourish.
1: And it's a matter, I think we have talked about this before, but it's a matter of being vulnerable um, yeah. to life, to, yeah. to music, and, and that when you're vulnerable to nature, to drama movies, to love, to, to pain, and you let it affect you, then that is translated in music as well when you play. And vulnerability
0: in music is, is a beautiful thing. Yes. You, and yes. You, you can tell a musician when they're vulnerable because something special happens. Yes.
1: My biggest highlights, John Paul, uh, from concert is uh, getting audience talk to me in tears. It's like when you played that piece, I started crying because I, I, I don't know. I feel something It's like, wow, that really makes me uh, happy because it means that what I'm I'm doing something right. Um, that I'm doing something that 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 people need to hear. That the souls need to hear. And and if 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 you don't experience that, uh, you know, it's like you should want to experience that in, in music. And those are my my favorite memories when when people or, or when I finish an improvisation that it's it's meant to be for people to to reflect in life. And you hear that, you know, <laughs> people sniffing, you know, right? And it's like, yes, this, it came through. Uh, so those, those are my best highlights. Not, not standing ovations, who cares about that? It's, it's people being touched.
0: Yeah, and that is what, as a musician or a flute player, from all of you listening to this podcast, is what makes writers, artists, and musicians very similar, is that you're not doing things for yourself. You're doing things for the audience or the reader or the viewer, you're doing it for them because if you did it, if you did it for yourself you'd just be doing it in the practice room recording yourself and constantly listening back you don't do it for you you do it for the benefit of others and mm-hmm. we'll go back to where we started to do it the benefit of others you've got to find out your own identity and once you find out your own identity you can create your own magic and once you create your own magic freedom occurs you start smiling the audience starts smiling and, yes. the, and the tears start flowing and then the F word appears again. Fun.
1: Yes. Yes. Well, that, that's a perfect sentence. Amen to that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so we, we probably won't actually meet up again until, um, hopefully sometime early next year. I don't really want to leave it to the NFA, but uh, so I'd like to get over before the NFA in Chicago, but, yes. uh, Oh, I, I miss seeing you. Uh, we, we've, we've had so much fun together and, uh, it is, uh, it's like seeing my Latin brother. In fact, there's, there's a standing joke at NFA that there's the three of us walk around, which is Gio, Jose, Jose Valentino, and myself, and people say, there's the, l- the two Latinos and the old guy. LAUGHTER
1: <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it's funny because uh, when people see us together, it's like here comes trouble. You know, yeah, absolutely,
0: <laughs> it is always trouble, isn't it? It's uh, yeah. but it's it's a flute convention, and you have to have. Well, it's not just flute conventions, but in life, you have to. You know when to be serious. You know when to put your game your game face on. But also, away from that, we have to enjoy ourselves. We have to. We have to unlock our hearts to other experiences, and then find out who we are. And once we do that, then laughter becomes really easy, doesn't it?
1: Yes, yes. I'm looking forward to that, and um, I know that we will have a lot of of good things to talk about on our next on our next chat. If all goes well, a lot of things are are happening this semester that you will see later on.
0: Oh, how wonderful. Surprise for everyone. How wonderful. Have you got any com- compositional or performance projects coming up? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay, then that's a um, case of not saying any more, but he's just nodding here. For those that are not watching it on video, he's Gio's got a big smile on his face and he's nodding. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I'm excited. It's taken a long time. And, and this is me embracing another chapter of me that people... Uh, have you know have inspired me saying Gio, you should compose more, um, and you know it's it's like different stages because at the beginning it was Gio, you should play more. It took me a while, and now I I believe it, and now I'm starting to believe that I should compose more, and there there there's stuff happening, so looking forward to that.
0: Well, I'm going to be interesting to hear how you, and I'll, I'll use the word narrate your how you narrate your compositions. Because I cannot believe it'll be an empty. It'll be shallow. I'd imagine there's me a lot of depth to your compositions and a lot of a lot of um, midline movements to raise the emotion within the heart.
1: I'll let you be the judge when ten comes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, Doctor Gio, Doctor Giovanni. Oh, it's been a great pleasure. Thank you for getting up early in the morning. To speak to me,
1: Uh, no, no, thank you. It's my pleasure, and I was looking forward to this like like weeks weeks ago. So I I thank you for for your time.
0: Oh, and uh, oh, any time, and yeah, we'll get you on again certainly when you've done one of your projects. Let's do that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Oh, wishing you a great day, my friend, and love to Angela. We're going to close this week with the rendition of Alleluia. The piece I was speaking to you all about earlier with Giovanni on the concert flute, Gina Luciani on the alto flute, myself on the alto flute and the wonderful Dr. Jose Valentino on bass flute. Looking forward to speaking to you again soon. May your high C sharp, and that's in the third octave, be especially in tune and your low C (laughs) out of tune. Well, mine always is anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Take care, everybody. Bye. Take care.